0: Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Rainer Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering. And on this podcast, I've conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. This episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast is brought to you by Inally Swift. Do you work in the design and analysis of aerospace structures and materials? If so, Inally Swift's innovative engineering software, SwiftComp, may be the solution you're seeking. Used either independently for virtual testing of aerospace composites, or as a plug-in to power conventional FEA codes, SWIFTCOMP delivers the accuracy of 3D FEA in seconds instead of hours. A general purpose multi-scale modeling program, SWIFTCOMP provides an efficient and accurate tool for modeling aerospace structures and materials featuring anisotropy and heterogeneity. Swiftcom quickly calculates the complete set of effective properties needed for use in macroscopic structural analysis. It also accurately predicts local stresses and strains in the microstructure for predicting strengths. Find out how others and composites are saving time while improving accuracy, considering more design options, and arriving at the best solution more quickly. A no-cost academic partner program is now available for eligible universities. For free trial, visit and swiftcomp write results right away this episode is also sponsored by stressebook.com which is an online hub for you if you're interested in aerospace stress engineering stressebook.com provides world-class engineering services and online courses on the stress analysis of aircraft structures as well as a free ebook and blog no matter if you're a junior or senior structural analyst StressEbook.com provides you with the skills and know-how to become a champion in your workplace.
1: We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because
0: they are hard.
1: Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Thirty-two minutes past the hour. Lift off on Apollo 11.
0: Listen quality Base here, the has landed. Mark Rauchan is the managing director of Rockwood Composites, a company in the UK that specializes in manufacturing complex components using compression and bladder molding. These manufacturing processes use fiber mats, be they carbon fiber, glass fiber, Kevlar, or any other material, which are then pre-impregnated with resin and placed in a mold, where they are cured at elevated temperature with the addition of external or internal pressure. The team at Rockwood has been supplying the airspace, defense, medical and nuclear industries for over 25 years, with customers ranging from Leonardo helicopters and the McLaren Formula One team to Safran and Facebook's Aquila internet drone. In 2018, Rockwood won the Innovation and Manufacture Award at the Composite UK industry event for their innovative use of advanced composite materials On the Tokomak ST40 nuclear fusion reactor. Composite materials have many benefits in terms of their excellent strength and stiffness at low weight. However, there's a common misconception that metal or ceramic components can easily be replaced one-to-one with composite components. One of the reasons that this is not the case is that the manufacturing processes of these material systems are entirely different. While metals are readily cast or machined down from a billet, Composites are typically manufactured additively by stacking multiple layers of fabric on top of each other to form a laminate. As anyone can quickly find out at home, wrapping a piece of paper around the outside of a doubly curved surface like a cereal bowl is very difficult without creating folds and creases. The performance of any composite component is therefore closely linked to the quality of the manufacturing process, and this is an area where rockwood composites particularly excel. In this episode of the podcast, Mark and I talk about his background in engineering, the types of structures that Rockwood composites manufacture, why composites manufacturing is a challenge, and the special solution Rockwood found for the Tokomak ST40 fusion reactor. In some parts of the episode, you will hear background noise from Rockwood's machine workshop. While this is a slight inconvenience in terms of the listening experience, I don't believe it detracts from the fascinating topics Mark discusses. And perhaps even places you the listener closer to the heart of rockwood's operation so without any further ado please enjoy my conversation with mark Crouchen. mark welcome to the podcast thank you so before we talk about you know all the fascinating composites uh, and the components that um, rockwood make i want to start with a personal question just to introduce you so how did you get into engineering and how did your career evolve from then to where you are today
1: what a complicated question Um, I got into engineering um, because I've always liked building things and uh, because I'm of an older generation in my day you had to rebuild your car you had to keep it on the road and therefore you're constantly um, doing engineering type activities just to keep the day-to-day wheels moving and that is something that people can do or they can't do. And, and I found that I had uh, skills in my hands that allowed me to make things and, and do things. I could draw, I could build, and it was almost inevitable, it was, wasn't directed in any way, that I ended up doing engineering-type work. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, I ended up going to Loughborough University and from there, I went on to um, British Aerospace and worked on aircraft. And from there, I went on to uh, work for a company called Fraser Nash that built missile launchers and lots of very exciting one-off type devices. And I had a whale of a time. Um, after that, um, and that was in the, roughly in the early 90s, I went self-employed. And I've never looked back. Since then, I've been contracting. I've started my own businesses. Businesses have been bought out. They haven't. They've had good times and bad times. And eventually, uh, we are sat here in in Rockwood Composites, who make very much the same sort of things that we have done in the past. Uh, it's a small company, but very specialised in what
0: we do. Right. So Rockwood, you just mentioned Rockwood. So what is Rockwood's mission? Um, and what is you know specifically your main technical expertise? Um, the mission is to make
1: technically demanding products at a, an exceptional quality for customers that we enjoy working for. Um, we specialize in bladder molding and compression molding of pre-preg materials in metal tooling. Now, that might sound a bit, Constraining, but it is but it's very exciting field because you can do an awful lot of very complicated structures that you would not normally be able to do so in, say, a resin transfer molding or an autoclave or vacuum bag molding. So it allows you greater degree of flexibility um, and a lot of design freedom to innovate and and making composites basically adding heat and pressure at the right time to a prepreg material and you'll get a, a molded part the trick is then designing the part and designing the tooling to give you exactly what you need and and that's what we do so we, it's a bit of a niche area it we don't fulfill the requirements of everyone um, you know for instance we don't make parts that are very large um, but we do net edge mold parts On all sides, Um, they can be hollow. They can be um, molded on all surfaces, um, but they are either compression molding or bladder molded, or a combination of both. And um, the the detail is such that you can cycle a a part in in a very quick time. You're not constrained by an autoclave, for instance, where the part has to be bagged up the tool then goes and sits in a queue ready to go for an autoclave in our process the tool goes into a press the parts molded, the tool comes out, it's laid up again, it goes back in, it comes out so the cycle time is short the number of tools required for a large volume manufacturing is short or small rather Uh, and the cycle time um, allows the process to be very very cost effective and most of our customers are driven by cost um, as well as the technical um, complexity so we tend to get involved with aerospace defense um, companies that are building structures that are quite complicated and long-running it might be an aircraft part it might be something in a fusion reactor it might be something in an MRI So we get involved with the design of the part uh, right at the front end, and we design the tooling, we design the process to maximize the performance of the parts and reduce the cost as much as we possibly can right from the outset. So it's really all about design for manufacture.
0: Right. I mean, so a lot of engineers will have heard of the, the benefits of composite materials, um, especially in the, in the aerospace industry where people were always talking about specific strength, specific stiffness, so how strong and stiff the material is for, for compared to its density. But I think a lot of people under don't know how much extra thought goes into then actually the design and the manufacturing side, because it isn't merely just a matter of, okay, I want to replace an aluminum component with a composite component. It's just going to be a one-to-one replacement. So could you perhaps, you know, you just mentioned the complicated composites that you work on, so what does it mean for a composite to be complicated and then what are the additional steps required to to bring that component to fruition or to reality um, I, I think
1: there is a, uh, a great misconception that people can just turn a composite part from an aluminium design to a composite part very easily and it's um, it's and you see it all the time. Um, and we have a lot of people just say look i i need this to be in composite it's strange but we spend most of our time um dissuading people about making parts in composite because unless there's a very good reason the cost of manufacturing the tooling the cost of making the part because typically carbon fiber is more expensive than aluminum say um it's beneficial for us to find out right at the front end if the customer really needs it in composite, and why does he need it in composite? Because there's lots and lots of very good attributes of composite materials. Um, and we need to find out what the customer really needs, whether it's stiffness, whether it's strength, whether it's a particular shape, and um, you know, can he react the loads that he really needs to, to react? Um, and it's all to do with designing the tool and designing the, the fabric layer. to to maximize that ability Um, and what might seem to be an easy part as a casting or a machine is not necessarily an easy part in composite and and vice versa Uh, an easy part in composite is not necessarily an easy part in to to be fabricated so it's understanding how you want to the best manufacturing route rather not um, and then designing the tool with the part so that you balance the um, you let's start study you can't design the part without understanding how you are gonna mold the part and therefore you have to design the tooling and the component simultaneously and a lot of people forget that that they design the part in complete isolation and then find later on that the tooling is suddenly very very expensive whereas you could have seen that from the outset if you had a, just a little bit of knowledge about how the tool will be designed and how it will operate and design that out right at the beginning. And that's where we spend most of our time.
0: Right. So, yeah, it's the complexity here or the difficulty arises that you have to be able to take into account both the, the actual structural design and the manufacturing. They have to work together from from the get-go. Otherwise, you end up down an avenue that is quite expensive.
1: And, and there's no reason for that. Um, and what we like to do is spend some time with our customers just understanding what their real requirement is because very often people will skip big parts they'll make assumptions of, of what you do and um, that those assumptions they dictate a certain path so what we'd like to do is just go back to basics take a deep breath and say well, let's just work our way through the longest this, this path of thinking to make sure that we have the right direction because it might be that at first glance we're looking at a compression molding when really the part could be a filament winding or it could be some other process which is beneficial from a cost or 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 mass production point of view Um, and we really need to find that out or the customer needs to find that out as soon as possible so because we try and support the customer even if it's not work that will come in our direction we want to make sure that it is viable for our customer because if it, if it's not this part hopefully we'll get another part from him um, and if we find having committed a lot of time and effort into looking at options and not coming up with a viable cost-effective solution um, that later our later on becomes apparent then we've wasted all that time so we need to find the invert commas the best solution as fast as we possibly can and sometimes it's a bit uh, um, forceful but what we want to do is is identify very very quickly what our customer sees as the benefit and if he doesn't see the benefit and we can't identify that then there'll be other options soon soon become apparent so let's let's get to that point really quickly
0: right so within this process of you know finding the optimal solution for your customers are there perhaps any examples or you know recent cases specifically as this is an aerospace engineering podcast you know from the aerospace industry that you are particularly proud of or where you've been able to provide a solution for a customer or perhaps even you know uh provide get them to go down a different path than they initially thought they would
1: uh that's a tricky one um yes there, there's there's always opportunity a, a very um, a pertinent component at the moment is that we had a customer who wanted a very large diameter uh, molding but the tolerance of the bore um had to be within 25 microns. Now, I wouldn't say that that's easy, but it, we do it all the time, and it's because we we of our tooling systems allow us to get to that level of accuracy. And other people who have talked to our, our customers say, "Oh, yes, it's not it's not viable, or it's not it's not financially possible." Um, whereas our tooling systems allow it and that's um and, and it is it's is finding those quirks that maximize what we do for our customers um, but our you know a customer would not necess- necessarily know that we could model to that accuracy and therefore we we have to sort of work those things out very very easily or very,
0: very as quickly as possible and say Right. Okay. So recently, um, I read about you in the news that you won the Innovation and Manufacture Award at the Composites UK Industry Awards on how you applied advanced composite materials on the ST40 fusion reactor. And that was in collaboration with the company Tokomac. So First off, I was you know, wondering, okay, well, what is the ST40 fusion <laughs> reactor to begin with? <laughs> uh, well, I
1: think Tokamak Energy are the best people to explain it, but they are building a Tokamak, a small-scale Tokamak fusion reactor. Um, and in, in, uh, in comparison to the Tokamak that ITER are making, and ITER uh, is the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, uh, and we've worked for ETA and Tokamak now for over uh, over seven years. Um, it's just a different scale and the same problems. So they've got very, um, very high temperatures, very low temperatures, and a lot of engineering detail. Now, for uh, Tokamak Energy, um, it was the application of uh, insulation in very, very small gaps um, where we were laminating glass fiber. Prepreg preg with layers of capton electrical insulation film um, to to create um, electrical insulation breaks between some very high voltage and high current devices and we've been applying the same sort of technology to both ETA and to tokamak um, and it was just in the tokamak uh, application that a lot of people saw oh, that was interesting um, and it's the way we molded <coughs> excuse me the way we molded the um, glass and kapton insulation around there well inside their central column and and consolidated in a unique mm-hmm. and high pressure way in that particular instance the the central column of the st40 magnet is made up of 24 individual um, orange type segments and they're all bonded together and each segment has a very high voltage and current uh, and, and the gap between the next one is, is only a fraction of a millimeter so we're having to apply multiple layers of glass and capton in that small gap uh, and doing it in a controlled manner so, so that when you put all the 24 segments together uh, it all comes into a uh, into a structure that is uh, tightly toleranced, and to achieve that, we were laminating the, the segments within a tool that has a silicon intensifier uh, rather than a uh, any sort of pressure bag, and that allowed us to adjust the temperature in the silicon, which then adjusts the pressure around the segment sequentially so we can we can get a pressure wave to run through the part and and in that way we can uh, iron out the glass and capton um, and squeeze out as much air as we possibly can uh, and consolidate it at very high pressures so we're talking about at least 400 PSI of consolidation pressure And over um, some time, we developed the the process uh, by making prototypes that meant we we had a very, very high um, consolidation, which resulted in very thin cured pie thicknesses, uh, which then led us to go on and and build the full-size central column for them, um, knowing that when all the molded segments are put together, the outside diameter is held within a very tight tolerance mm-hmm.
0: i'm just trying to imagine this this laminate glass fiber and in capton so um right so we've got a copy in front of us or yeah a, a prototype perhaps in front of us now so is this then the glass fiber and the capton are they laminated on top of each other layer by layer so that you have a layer of glass fiber and then a layer of capton yes
1: yeah so on on each wedge There is glass capped on glass. Mm -hmm. And then, so there's glass capped on glass, glass capped on glass in that gap.
0: Okay. Okay, so it's basically a radial, it's a radial composite. So typically when we think of a laminate, we think of sheets stacked on top of each other. But in this case, we have triangular wedges like a cake. And each slice of the cake is either capped on, or glass fiber and then it's laminated together like that
1: yes so there's multiple layers in in that small gap right um, okay. now typically um, this would be resin infusion molded that's the industry standard but getting resin to flow through such small gaps is very difficult and that's where this process lends itself in that we have very com- it's virtually void free and uh, it's, um, it's very, very uh, narrow gaps that we can, we can fill.
0: Right. So typically the, 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 the problems with the small gap is that if the resin is too viscous, then you can't actually force it down the small, mm-hmm. the small gap. So in this case, you overcome that just by increasing the pressure to 400 psi?
1: Well, then we're, we're molding each one separately. You're molding
0: each one separately. And that okay.
1: means that you can inspect every single one it's not just one operation it's 24 very small operations it's like taking ditty steps so that you can inspect and and, and ensure that every single one is perfect before they all go together whereas in most um, uh, vacuum resin infusion processes you've got to pull the whole thing together and if it works or it doesn't work so this is a more robust
0: solution it then um, and it's it's um, risk averse if you like Mm-hmm. Right, fascinating. Well, one of the one of our mutual acquaintances that actually introduced me to you, he described Rockwood as a company that continuously pushes the boundary of what can be achieved with composite materials. So I was wondering, so what are perhaps some of the boundaries that you're currently trying to push? Where do you see composites manufacturing developing in in, in the future? I, I mean,
1: we don't have any um, industrial sectors that we uh, specifically uh, supply into. We are more of a, a materials and application um, provider. So the, our, our materials or composite materials can go in any industry. And I think that's what's so fascinating, whether it's space, it's subsea, it's in a fusion reactor, or whether it's an a metrology instrument or in an aircraft, it doesn't matter. It's just an engineering problem. And the composites have got so many... Uh, properties that you can apply and so there's so many different composite materials that you you have a, such a vast array of options um, that it, it's just phenomenal and, and it doesn't matter what industry you look at composites have got a part to play
0: right so it sounds like I mean so I'm t- from an aerospace engineering department so I tend to think of composites mainly being you know used for lightweighting for aircraft components but you're basically yeah, you rightly point out that because in composites you have the unique ability to combine material properties from from two different materials and then even get new material properties out of the combination that the the possibility of applying it in different industries is actually quite quite probably just continues to grow day, you know year on year exactly um, and yeah
1: I'm, I'm just showing you here on the desk uh, an example of a Strut that's used in a, a um, cryostat where one end is at 4.2 Kelvin and the other ends at room temperature. And this particular part is half carbon and half glass because the carbon is a better insulator below 77 Kelvin and the glass is a better insulator above 77 Kelvin. So it's just knowing these material properties and then using them to maximize their benefit. Um, and this is, this is just an engineering problem. It wouldn't matter if this is in a satellite in the bottom of a ship. It doesn't matter. And that's what makes it quite exciting.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great example of, even in this case, it's a, it's a two-part composite, right? It's carbon fiber composite and glass fiber composite molded together. But it, it doesn't really
1: matter. Composites is just a, a combination of a no, number of parts. Um, and whether that's metallic carbon structure or an aluminium metallic composite structure it, it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter it, um, and I can show you other parts that are composite but purely, purely um, exotic materials um, but the process is very much the same it's just a mold tool and it's just applying materials in the right way um, using the right pressures and then the right times uh, to give you a in invert commas composite part
0: mm-hmm. Great. Well, Mark, thanks for having the conversation. It's been fascinating to talk to you and hear about everything that Rockwood does. No problem. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Rockwood Composites or composites manufacturing, then head over to aerospaceengineeringblog.com forward slash podcast, where you will find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share it on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon, where patrons receive exclusive behind-the-scenes content and special episodes. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.